Hi everyone. A quick comment before the episode starts. This is our 14th episode of The Backstory, and thank you to everyone who is listening. Thank you to our family, our friends, and friends of friends. To keep making these episodes, we need your support. If you're listening on YouTube, please subscribe to our channel and share with your friends. Every subscription helps. If you're listening on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, or any other podcast platform, please give us a rating and leave a review. Your feedback is really important because it keeps us going. Thank you and enjoy today's episode. They have to make it known to us. Simplifies. They have to simplify it. Break everything down to everyone to know. What I want to know more about this budget is, is how this money are being implemented to the last people. Because you keep hearing this money is supposed to be for so-so-so uh, uh, ministry or, 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 or work. But at the end of the day, you don't, a layman like me don't see the difference. So the people need to understand how money will be made, how money will be spent. The moment you hide these two informations from the people, it is hard for them to be able to hold government accountable. Corruption starts with the budget. That is the truth. From Triple E Media, I'm Ramat Mohammed, and this is The Backstory. We intend to use the budget to accelerate our economic recovery process, promote social inclusion, and strengthen the resilience of the economy. President Muhammadu Buhari signed the 2021 appropriation bill into law on December 31, 2020. The Appropriation Act, also known as the Budget, is the document that states how the government will spend money and how they will make money. Now, many analyses have already been done on the budget. And the breakdown, 496.52 billion naira is for statutory transfer and 3.32 trillion naira goes for debt service. Naira budget. And we have 5.7 trillion naira in deficit. Literally, that's what we need to borrow to be able to finance this in budget. In a country that's uh, practically at war on so many fronts, we have a situation where we are giving a paltry 840 billion uh, to defense department. Uh, on today's episode, we are actually not going to talk about the numbers. Instead, we're going to focus on the government's process for spending money and making money. The only way the government can spend money is through the appropriation acts, that is the approved budgets. So the budget is the second most important document of any country, any state, or any nation. Whether even if it's a local government, it is the second most important. Now, the most important is the constitution, because you need the constitution for law and order, right? Now, for you to be able to develop that community, you also need a spending plan. The spending plan is basically what and what you want to spend the money on. But you also need a money-making plan. I'll come back to the money-making plan later. Let's focus on the spending plan. When we started this report back in January, we looked at the budget, the Appropriation Act itself, which is a summary of the budget. That document is a 14-page document filled with numbers, 
numbers and more numbers. It's a boring document and not that easy to understand. That's when we turn to Tolutokbe Agunloye from Budget, that is spelled as B-U-D-G-I-T. Now, Budget is a civic organization based in Lagos. The company uses clever analysis, presentations, and technology to pass on useful information to citizens so that they can engage more with the government. What we try to do at Budget is to simplify the budget and using infographics. Now, infographics is two words, information with graphics, right? So statistics have it that once people remember an image, there's a likelihood that you also remember whatever is attached to that image. So the moment you remember that graphic, then you might remember the numbers. So with that, we make that interesting. So we do animations, we do creative designs in order for people to be able to engage with the budget. Now, the spending plan is divided into two parts. There is the recurrent expenditure and there is the capital expenditure. Recurrent expenditure basically means money the government will use to run its own operations. And capital expenditure is money that goes to capital projects. The most interesting part that connects to the people is the capital. Now, payments of salaries is for the employees, right? For the civil servants. But the capital is what speaks into development, which is connected to the people. All those can be promises. It has to go into the budget. If it does not go into the budget, then they are just campaign promises, empty promises. So for development to happen, capital projects must be captured in the budget. Now, building of schools, um, roads, Whatever thing you can think of that is attached to development of a particular community or a state, those items fall under capital expenditure. So for the ordinary citizen, the most important part of the budget is how much money the government will spend on capital projects. Richard, how does the government determine which capital projects will go into the budget? Like which hospitals are going to get built, which roads, which schools? Very good question. Nigeria has a budgeting process. Uh, budget process involves about uh, four basic uh, co- uh, components. The first is the formulation and uh, free preparation, and which is uh, has to do with the planning stage. And the second stage is the authorization, authorizing the implementation of the budget, and as well as uh, uh, the third one is the implementation. And the, maybe the last one, we can say monitoring and evaluation, as well as analysis of the, the budget process. That was Dr. Muhammad Kiari Dikwa, retired permanent secretary for the Ministry of Finance. And uh, I worked with the Federal Minister of Finance throughout my career. Actually, uh, when I came into the Federal in 2003, about 17 years ago. And uh, before that time, I was in the state, you know, Bonos State as the state accountant general and the permanent secretary of finance. Uh, before I transferred my service to the federal, and then from there, I spent about seven, uh, 17 years in the Treasury and the Federal Ministry of Finance, and uh, much more involved in the budgetary process of the federal government. And as you heard him say, the budget process for the federal government involves four stages. One, formulation, preparation, and planning. Two, authorization. Three, implementation. And the last stage, monitoring and evaluation. Even before we get to the Appropriation Act, 
there's actually another document called the MTEF, which is the Medium Term Expenditure Framework. It's usually a three-year plan that explains how money will be generated and how money will be spent. So the new one we have here, I think, is in 2021 to 2023. That's what we have currently now. So it's easier for you to pick up the MTEF to be able to know the direction where we are going as a country because that would simply explain your three-year plan as a nation. So that's one. So for the budget process, that's the stage one. You have to develop that. The MTEF is a public document and it can be found on budgetoffice.gov.ng. Now, the information from MTEF will give direction to the budget. The MTEF and the approved budget should be consistent. And also, MTEF is supposed to be developed with community inputs. Under normal circumstances, it's involved the citizen, uh, whereby the citizen has to, you know, contribute to the budgetary process by, you know, giving their input in terms of what they require. And, you know, the budget office of the Federation do what we call the gap analysis, consult the citizen of what actually they want. And then from there, they put up a document uh, in line with the Fiscal Responsibility Act. They have to do it for every three, three years, and it's being reviewed on a yearly basis, depending on the needs of the individuals as well as the societies and the government's priorities. So if you are keeping track, the first thing we need to do to create the budget is to engage with communities to understand their needs, do a needs assessment. Then we create a three-year plan, which we call the MTEF. Now, community engagement and needs assessment in the planning stage is very critical. And it's actually one of the reasons why our budgets and projects fail. It's not the main reason, but it's one of the reasons. So, community A needs good roads. But you're not assuming, because you didn't go there, to hold a town meeting with them, to seek for their needs. Then you're giving them a school. Knowing fully well, maybe they have like three schools in that community already. But then you want to build another school, right? So... By the time you build or construct or put whatever thing that you want to put there for that community, they don't own it. And that is where you see most of those projects being abandoned by the community. So the moment you do the needs assessment, you do tower meetings, they take ownership of those things. And they look out for that information in the budget. That is where they show commitment, even towards seeing what the budget is. Because you're telling them that I'm your representative. I'm going to ensure that this goes into the budget. Once it goes into the budget, I'm going to let you guys know. So I tell you, oh, this thing is not in the budget. They landed in that community. We want to pick the budget and say, oh, it's true. Our community has been captured in the budget. And this is what we asked for. Now, according to Dr. Dikwa, we actually do the planning part very well. And the failures in our budget tends to be further down in the process. Well, we are good at uh, the first and the second process. That's the post the process has to do with the, the planning aspect. And then the, and the, the second aspect, that's the authorization. So that's the, these are the two processes actually in the last few years or a number of decades, I can say, as far as Nigerian content is concerned, they have succeeded in doing that in a very good way. But then the implementation and the monitoring and evaluation process has been not good enough for a number of decades, for many reasons. So let's actually walk through an example. Let's say you are part of the Dutse local government in Jigawa state, and your community needs irrigation for farming. How would you raise this need so that it gets captured in the MTEF 
and then eventually into the budget. Who do you talk to? So the legislator, because the legislator is the representative of the people, right, in the National Assembly. So we have, um, in total, we have 469, right, legislators. Uh, 109 in the Senate, 360, right? So it simply means that each constituency should have maybe an average of, um, let's say, maybe five representatives. So it simply means that you need to hold your people or the person that is representing you to account to say, you need to consult us. because Let's assume you have been now. consulted and your project is now in the MTF and in the budget. Wait, Richard, how do we check that our project is captured? Well, based on budget CSO research, the federal government has over 13,300 capital projects in the proposed 2021 budget. That's a lot. How are we supposed to sift through all that data to find our project? Very good question. And technically, this information is supposed to be easily available on the government's website. Now, we spent some time navigating the site, trying to find a list of all the projects in the 2021 budget. We downloaded this document, and it's called the 2021 Federal Government of Nigeria Approved Budget Details. Based on the name, we were expecting to find a detailed breakdown to the project level. And when it opened, there are 1,563 pages. But thankfully, the document is searchable. So we searched for Dutse to see if the community's irrigation project made it into the 2021 Appropriation Act. After about 10 minutes, we found two irrigation-related projects in Dutse on page 938. One for an irrigation project at Laraba Satbalari in Dutse local government in Jigawa for about 300 million naira. And another one for extension of irrigation project at Wawade Dam in Dutse local government also for 300 million naira. So if you belong to either of these communities and you requested these projects, then you can celebrate because there is an allocation in the 2021 approved budgets. Okay, but Richard, how are communities and villages supposed to find this information? We found it because we have computers, we have the internet, we know what to look for and how to look for it. Well, I don't really know for sure how community people can get access to this information. My best guess is that the educated among them, like their local government chairman, will have access and it's up to him to communicate the information. Now, this issue of transparency is actually very important. For example, if the people of Dutse don't know that they have been allocated this money for this project, then they can't hold anyone accountable for that money. The money could be diverted and the project not even completed. And I think this is the information war that civil society organizations, CSOs, like Budget and Code are fighting. Now, Code is a non-governmental organization focused on teaching citizens how to hold their government accountable. Follow the Money is one of their brands. We spoke with Mukhtar Modibo from Code. Yeah, so most of the times, because of the kind of um, civil society organizations that we've got tracking government spendings now, we always get informations in, in maybe using the freedom of information later or using um, other means, personal relationship and other things to get information and give it down to the people in the communities for them to make sure that, you know, they, they hold the person in charge um, accountable. So what we basically do, 
with the following money model, what we basically do is to teach people on how to hold pe- uh, government accountable. Teach them. Okay, so Richard, in this example, we found a project that has been allocated money. It's an irrigation project that should impact two communities in Dutse, Jigawa State. Let's assume that the communities are aware of this allocation. So what now? Well, the projects have been budgeted for, but they still might not be implemented. Remember what Dr. Dikwa said earlier on? The implementation and the monitoring and evaluation process has been not good enough for a number of decades for many reasons. In the very beginning, you mentioned that this episode is about how the government spends money and how they make money. We need to make the money that we are going to spend, and we need to specify the source of revenue in the Appropriation Act. That's the revenue part of the budget. Then, in that budget, the government is going to specify to you where and where they're going to get the money from. From oil revenue and non-oil revenue. I don't think this audience needs a reminder that most of our revenue comes from oil. 31%, to be precise, was the projected portion from oil in 2020. And we are estimating 25% of our revenue from oil in 2021. Other non-oil revenue sources include company income tax, value-added tax, that is the VAT, customs duty, and federation tax levies. But here's the thing. When you add up how much we expect to get from both oil and non-oil revenue in 2021, that's only about 8 trillion naira. And we expect to spend about 13 trillion naira on capital projects and recurrent expenditure. Hang on, Richard. We expect to spend 13 trillion, but we're only going to make 8 trillion. How does that work? Good. It doesn't work. It's like going to the market with a list for items worth 130,000 naira, but you have only 80,000 naira in your pockets. What do you do? Well, I can cut down on the list of things I want to buy, or I can borrow the rest of the money, or somehow I find a way to make up the balance. So let's look at the first thing you just said. When you don't have enough money to buy everything on your list, you cut down the list. And that's something that our federal government will do as well. We will defund or underfund projects. You will see a project that gets started under one administration, then the money runs out. I'll give you an example. Abuja Kaduna Kanu Road has been approved last two, three years ago. But just a couple of months, the minister come out to say, they cannot, the government cannot be able to finish that route at the specific time during their administration, simply because there is no form. So that is it. And of course, when the next administration comes on board, they may not continue the projects. So these two irrigation projects in Dutse have a budget of 600 million naira combined. That's great. But the question is, will the money be released? Do we have the money to even be able to release it? That's right. And the answer is, we may not even have the money. Well, we'll get back to some of the factors that impact our ability to generate revenue a bit later. But first, let's look at the other two options you suggested. You said you would borrow the money to be able to get what you want in the market. The federal government also does that. We borrow to make up for the deficit in the budget. So, you did a budget that is 5.20 trillion in deficit. Now, how do you expect to fund everything completely? All these numbers are basically coming up from where we have been borrowing to service 
the project and we need some certain amount of money to service that borrowing. And that is the problem. So you did- As of June 30th, 2020, Nigeria is about $85 billion in debt. That's about 31 trillion Naira. So borrowing is an option for us. Okay, so the last thing you say that you would do besides cutting down on your list or borrowing is to somehow come up with the money. Our federal government also does that. And one way for getting revenue we need is for government to privatize its assets. Over the years, we have seen government privatize assets like electricity generation and distribution, telecommunications, and even insurance in order to generate revenue to meet the budget. For the 2021 budget, government has even proposed assessing dormant account balances and unclaimed dividends in private bank accounts. Uh, that has not been done before. It does, this is the first time the government is coming up with this the idea. Well, a government might be right to ask that question, but, but the, the idea is that all those money that we're talking about, the pension fund, contribution pension, all these uh, funds that are lying idle, and uh, no investment is being carried out. And even if the investment, the beneficiaries, Nobody is benefited. The money is only the banks are taking advantage of it. So it's good that, that the government can borrow and then keep a record to say that, look, I borrowed this money. But then if anybody comes back to have a claim for his money, the money will be given back to the owner where, uh, along with its interest or whatever you know it has generated as far as that account money is concerned. So if that can be put in properly in, in a place, a, a procedure can be put in a place, it's good enough. Otherwise, the money has been lying over the decades in the banks and, uh, you know, some, you know, foreign administrators for the over the years without necessarily contributing to the economy, without necessarily contributing to the development of the country. And uh, it's really a waste keeping that money in that account without necessarily being invested. But Dr. Dikwa is clear that government needs to have strong measures in place to account for the money that they want to borrow from private accounts. So I will advise strongly that government should put in place a strong measures whereby every couple that is being borrowed are being accounted by the government and they being refunded to the you know, beneficiary whenever the beneficiary turns up to say, look, I want my money. And uh, the, the money should be given to the person in addition to the principal and others, the interest and whatever, you know, and as a result of the investment. Okay, so we are finding creative ways to make up the revenue we need to meet our budget. But the question is, why are we having a hard time generating the revenue in the first place? We have the potential. When we stop looking at our source of revenue to be only uh, what do you call it, only petrol. When we begin to look about non-oil revenue, at some point in this country, I think during the first administration of President Bari, uh, a minister stood up to say, Nigeria will be producing pencil. And still we're not producing the pencil. And some money were really marked on, on that. And then we'll be uh, exporting yam. Are we doing it? A minister of agriculture, I think by name Aldok Bay, said something around that. Are we doing that? So, And that is the key to understand why we are not generating enough revenue. There is no accountability for generating revenue. There is accountability for spending money, but not for generating revenue. 
And that has been the major problem we have in this country. As um, as far as this country is concerned, there is no consequences for you know underperforming in terms of revenue generation. If, in most cases, there is a consequences for spending your money. For example, if ministry is given a hundred million and they were able to spend that money, they were most of the time they were being pressed that they were able to implement the you know by spending that hundred million. But it's not the case as far as the revenue is concerned. When revenue given, you are given a you know, revenue of 100 million and you are only able to regenerate 20 million, and nobody will come back to say that, look, you have not performed well. And uh, that, that's, you understand, and no consequences for that, either as a result of promotion, demotion, uh, I mean, as a result of, uh, you know, whichever kind of consequences that we're going to follow. But the idea is that unless that one is fixed, otherwise, we continue to have under, you know, underperformance as far as the revenue is concerned. Richard, when most of us think about holding government accountable, we usually think about corruption because it has been beaten into our heads that our leaders are corrupt and we need to keep an eye on them. Exactly. And we need to keep an eye on them. And CSOs like budgets and codes follow the money, help with that. But I think what Dr. Dikwa is saying here is key. We can put in place all the transparency and accountability measures for how we spend money. But if we don't hold people, ministries, departments, and agencies from making money in the first place, then we are not going anywhere. You have to make money to spend money. Exactly. That's right. Otherwise, we keep borrowing. So there needs to be incentive to meet revenue targets or consequences for not meeting those targets. The former AG recognizes that there are other challenges that stop us from meeting our revenue targets. Normally, you know, targets are given without necessarily taking into consideration the, you know, scientific basis. That, as a result of that, there is always a shortfall as far as the revenue is concerned. And sometimes the exchange rate has contributed. The government policies, political interference, global, like you know, prices of the crude oil. You know, the as far as the budget of Nigeria is concerned, is in, in the 80, 90% of the revenue of the budget are normally coming from the oil revenue. And if there is a problem as far as the revenue aspect is concerned from the oil sector, uh, there will be a lot of problem and at the end of the day, uh, becomes an issue. And we have known for about three decades now that we need to diversify from oil. But this just hasn't been happening fast enough. Apart from implementation, the last part of the budget process or cycle is the monitoring and evaluation. Again, according to Dr. Dikwa, we don't do this part very well. The mechanisms that are going to monitor the proper implementation has not been put in place. Even the one that has put in place has been not properly funded for the purpose of ensuring uh, evaluation on a uh, periodic basis to know that whether the budget is actually being implemented or not. So that has created a lot of problem. But we do have agencies that are taxed with monitoring revenue. The Office of the Auditor General of the Federation, the Office of the Accountant General has a revenue department that monitors revenue. Then there is the Budget Office of the Federation as well as even the MDAs themselves monitor their own revenue. But then in most of these cases, monitoring alone is not good enough, but the effort to make the revenue is now the issue. 
you know, if you are given a target, for example, to, you know, generate 100 million, and you are only able to generate maybe 20 million, and you are able to remit the same that 20 million, as far as the, those agencies that are concerned that I mentioned, as far as they're concerned, they have done, uh, you have done your best because you collected uh, 20 million, you have limited 20 million without any, any retention. But what I'm all saying is that if you are given a target of 100 million, under normal circumstances, you should generate that 100 million. If you are not able to do that, then you should ask the question, why were you not able to do that? And if for any reason that it was done deliberately, there must be a consequences for your payload. Otherwise, you know, still kind of trend would go to happen. And that has been the case over the years. And that has been the major problem we have in this country. So let's get back to the two irrigation projects in Dutse, Jigawa State. They have been given an allocation of 600 million, but the money has to be released. And in order for the money to be released, the money has to be there in the federation accounts. If the community does not see this release, then one of two things happened. One, the agency sponsoring the project does not have the money because they could not meet their revenue targets. Or two, the agency met their revenue targets, but somehow along the way, the money got diverted. And the community has to ask questions in order to understand which of these two things happened. When we spoke to Tokbe, he mentioned that there are other ways that communities can be more engaged with the budget and, you know, follow up on projects. Looking at the community or the citizens' engagement as a whole, follow the money, budget, just name it. We'll go out there to communities where people think um, um, citizens cannot even locate to track projects. In as much there's a location in that budget line item in the budget, CSOs, citizens that even live in that community, it's easier for you to engage them. So we call those ones community champions. So you engage those community champions to be able to even give you feedback concerning those projects. So by the time you go there for the first visit, you engage them about the budgets. Then the next thing you tell them, for you to be able to engage the government proper, you need to use FY, which is the Freedom of Information Request. Now you write the FY seeking for the status of that project. It is the community that is writing, not the organization that went to sensitize the community. So the community will use their own letterhead to demand for answers. Now, when I talk about this, <laughs> I, I normally say, if you ask nice questions, you get nice replies. So the, the idea is, the way you approach the government will determine the way you also get your own feedback. Your response, or the response you get from them is dependent on your approach. So if you do an FOI, and you ask polite questions. Because you're you not saying, sir, you've embezzled this money. Uh, when is this project going to be done? No. You're asking, sir, um, so, so, so um, 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 CSO, follow the money, budget came to our community, they engaged us, and we saw that, oh, five projects have been nominated for um, community A. Um, sir, so far, no project has been done. 
we are asking, when will this be done? Maybe you are writing this in June, so which means we've used six months, right? So the next six months, so you're asking that, oh, so when would this project be done? So you're writing... And when the community writes, they should write to the House of Rep member and their senators. And also important to write to is the implementing agency. The reason why you are writing those three important people is so as to get the feedback. If the MDA does not reply, the legislator works for you, right? So he holds you that, that commitment that, oh, because I work for you, you also need to reply your people. And since you can see the community letterhead, so he has to, because he's also aspiring to go into that same office <laughs> once the stem runs out. So now that information has to be provided. If not, whenever you can easily go to, that's, so that's why you have constituency offices. You can easily go to his constituency office, submit that document and keep going there until you get a response, at least the legislature. So it's important to know who your representatives are and how to reach out to them. We'll provide a link in our episode description box to the list of National Assembly House of Rep members and senators. You'll also find links to the 2021 Appropriation Act, the detailed list of projects, as well as links to budget, the CSO, and codes follow the money. We highly encourage you, especially if you're young, to start navigating these sites. Start to understand where your money, and yes, it is your money, is going. I learned something new from every episode that we work on, and one thing has been bothering me since we recorded this episode. The former accountant general said that our biggest problem is revenue generation. We don't hold ourselves accountable for generating revenue. So I started to wonder, to what extent is our focus on corruption and fighting corruption taking away from our ability to generate revenue? Now, in my former life as a management consultant, I learned that companies generally will either focus on generating revenue or cutting costs. They don't really focus on both at the same time. At any given time, the energy will be tilted one way or the other. Now, the fact is, fighting corruption is probably a lot easier than generating revenue. But if you don't have revenue in the first place, you'll have no corruption to fight. The Backstory is brought to you by Triple E Media Productions. Production copyright 2021 by Triple E Media Productions. If you enjoyed this episode of The Backstory and want to hear more, give us feedback. Subscribe to our 234 Audio YouTube channel. Visit our website at 234audio.com and download our 234 Audio app. Episodes of this podcast can also be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced by Richard Anyebe, Dominic Tabakaji, Sam Tabakaji, and Nico Rivers. Executive producer, Ramat Mohammed. Special thanks to Tolutope Agunloye at Budgets, Mokchar Modibo at Code, Dr. M.K. Dikwa, former permanent secretary in the Federal Ministry of Finance, Stanley Bentu, Antonietta Kalunta, John Iwodi, Alexandra Gegpe, Rabia Hadeja, 
Aredi Isha and Mala Iwa Bado Ikaleku. I'm Ramat Muhammad. See you next week.